Welcome to The Gathering Pod, the audio version of my weekly gathering room broadcast. I'm Martha Beck. Today our topic is called Decoding the Helpful Universe. And here is how it goes. So this week, I had a chance to do two different dream analyses. Did I already talk to you about this? One was somebody's nightmare, and one was a beautiful dream about a woman reaching into a stream and pulling out golden threads of being. Now, if you have been coached by me or had one of the coaches I've trained has walked you through a dream analysis the way I do it, um, you, you may know that I ask in order to interpret a dream, I don't believe that one symbol is the same thing for all people. Like for you, lilacs may symbolize death because you smelled them at a funeral once. And for me, they might symbolize my house growing up because we had a lilac bush there. So it's going to have a different symbology depending on which one of us it is. So when you go into a dream, and this pertains to your daily life too, this is not just about dream analysis, so hang in there. To go into a dream, say you dream about a monster. You have to become that monster and start to speak as the monster. And it's hard to get people to become the monsters in their dreams because they're very strongly separated from them, right? It's all obviously inside their own heads, and yet they're separated from the monster psychologically because it scares them and it's alien and everything. But if you can get people to drop into the character of the monster the way they would drop into the character of uh, a part they were playing in a movie if they were an actor, they can start to speak as the monster and tell you things about why the monster has shown up in your dream and what it's there to tell you and a whole bunch of very valuable information. Always, in my experience, when someone has a nightmare and there's a monster and they drop into it, the monster turns out to be something that is trying to help them. I remember doing a dream analysis about someone who dreamed she had um, she had hung herself, hanged herself. Hmm. And um, it was very hard for her to become the act of someone hanging until she got into the symbol and started to say... Um, this is holding you above the earth and you're afraid that it's going to kill you, but actually it won't. Um, I had another person who dreamed about soldiers coming in. This was a person who had lived in Vietnam during the Viet- Vietnam War and who had actually been, I mean, she and her family had to leave Vietnam and, and uh, try to sail away on boats. They eventually did, but three boats sank before they got on one that took them to this island where she lived for a long time. And she used to have terrible nightmares of soldiers in the house with guns. When we did the analysis, it turned out that the soldiers in the dream, when she became them, and I said, please describe yourself, they said, we're just here to serve. We really, really love the dreamer and we want to help. I said, what are you there for with guns? And they said, we're protectors. That's what we do. And just like having her realize that while she was awake was this huge aha. And that's what happened in the the nightmare that we analyzed um, the other day. Uh, We were talking about, I can't remember what the scary symbol was, but it turned out to be about new life and joy and happiness and all these good things. Then we analyzed the dream of my friend who, whose dream was about the beautiful river with the golden threads in it. She would just dip her finger into the river and these golden threads would come from her fingers and then she could weave them into different cloth. 
and other people were doing the same thing, but their threads were different colors. Well, that one almost didn't have to be analyzed. That dream was literal. When, we, when she became the symbol, she was the only thing they had to say to her was, you are creating reality. You can do this. You've got more magic than you know. Enjoy the beauty of what you're making and play with other people. Okay. The reason I'm telling you all this is that it so happens that you can analyze everything that happens to you as if it's a dream. You know, if you've come here often enough that I subscribe to the whole Asian concept that we are living in a kind of projection and that when we awaken out of the dream of being mortal and physical and doomed, we comprehend ourselves as part of a universe that is energetic and, um, and not just filled with life, but the, the structure of life itself, and that it can never be destroyed. So when you have an awakening out of that, so the enlightened ones say, it's just like stepping out of a nightmare. Well, I say, if you're in the nightmare, you might as well analyze it. Actually, I only had, I've only had a few dreams in my life where I reali realized I was dreaming. And in one of them, the first thing I did when I realized I was dreaming was not, you know, learn to fly or go meet Jesus or whatever. I just sat down on the stairs in my dream and started analyzing the dream I was having. So, um, and that, this is, again, I may be dreaming now. This is what I may be doing at the moment. Today I was thinking, oh, I feel like there are a lot of obstacles in my path right now. And it feels like, oh, the dream is a little not my favorite dream. It's not a nightmare, but it's not my favorite dream. And then I thought, oh, I wrote down a list of things to do. And I was like, Ugh, I don't want to do this. And then I thought, but what if everything on my to-do list is actually a part of the dream, a part of myself that is trying to get through to me with messages about um, what I should do next in my life, how I can be happy. And I sat down and I, de I, I analyzed my day the way I would analyze a dream. So I have to write to a friend who's really prickly and, and difficult. And when I became him in the dream, I, I told myself as him, I am here to make sure that you dot your I's and cross your T's. With me sort of hanging out in your mind, you will never be, make careless mistakes. Then there was something, uh, we have a little wounded fox who's been showing up at my bird feeder. And I thought, I've, I've got to go and, and see if the fox is okay. And I was worried about it because this little fox may not be long for this world. So I became the fox. And the fox said, I am here to teach you about how easily life can slip into and out of a body and how glorious it is to be an animal of any kind. And that I love you for for paying attention to me. I don't know if the fox really does, but my perception of the fox is teaching me to be calmer with life and death, to be more able to connect in love with something that may or may not last a while. Um, you know, I don't want my, know what my prickly friend really thinks, but in my interpretation of, in, in my life's interpretation of him, he's a great teacher in how to be upright and to, to dot my I's and cross my T's. So, I started to go through and realize that everything in my life that has appeared as a monster could have been analyzed for its purpose earlier on. And it might have freed me from some of the anxiety I was feeling. One time I managed to do this in real time and the results were amazing. 
and this is why I'm bothering telling you this. If you start to look at everything that happens to you as a potentially friendly and helpful messenger from the force or your higher self or whatever, it starts to give you more symbols. It starts to spin out more like a dream, only you know you're not dreaming. So I'm going to tell you about this. I think I wrote it down somewhere at some point, but I'm going to tell you again. So I had written my book about leaving Mormonism and I was really scared and I was getting threats from various people, legal threats, physical threats, I will kill you threats, I will kill your children threats. And I was about to leave on a book tour and I didn't know who out there was sending me the hate notes and what they were planning to do. So I was really terrified and I felt like I was in the middle of a nightmare and I decided I was going to start analyzing it as a dream. So in the, I, I sat there and I thought, okay, what's the first thing that comes to my mind when I think about this situation? Like I, I became the whole situation and I dropped into it and I started to speak as the situation. I am this situation that is meant um, to terrify you and shake you up and make you force yourself to do things that for you require courage. And it said then, remember you were born in the year of the tiger the Asian year of the tiger. And I was like, well, that's really weird. I thought, okay, well, I'll take that. Then I had a call with a client. So we'd been working together for like a year. We get to the end of the call and I said, I can't meet next week. I'm going on this book tour. It's a little, and she said, as she hung up, prepared to hang up, well, go get them, tiger. And I said, wait a second, why did you call me tiger? She's never called me tiger before. She said, I don't know, it just kind of occurred to me. As I hung up, the doorbell rang. I went to the door and there being delivered was a big, huge package. I didn't know what it was. It was from someone I'd known years before and hadn't seen for a long time. I opened the box and inside it was a huge, like huge framed photograph of a tiger. I don't know why to this day, this person sent me this tiger. So then I was like, okay, this is really weird. And I got, I went and packed my bags. I flew to this hotel in San Francisco. And as I opened my bag, something fell out. Now I have always taken turtles as my totem. I think I've told you that before because it's like slow and steady wins the race. Keep a hard shell, but a soft inside. You got to stick your neck out to move forward. So I had identified as turtles, but I thought, there's not a turtle in the world that's fierce enough to handle what I've got to handle now. So I'm going to be a tiger. So what fell out of my suitcase as I got to San Francisco was a little stone carving of a turtle that I had picked up somewhere for like a dollar. And I'd forgotten all about it. And as I picked it up off the floor, I realized it was made of a stone called tiger's eye. And I was like, okay, that's really weird. I get into my into my hotel room and I look around and there are pictures of butterflies everywhere and I thought, and, and flowers. And I thought, oh, if those were pictures of tigers, this would be totally perfect. But, you know, butterflies, symbol of regeneration, the flowers are nice, I'll take it. Then I went to do this reading and one of, uh, a friend of mine who may be in the gathering room, sometimes she shows up if she's there, hello, I love you. She brought me a gift. And it was a jade carving, little jade carving. And I kid you not, I've never seen anything like it. It was a carving of a 
turtle with a tiger's head. What? I've never even heard of this in all of the mythologies that I've read. It's weird. What is this? Why did they make this? I don't know, but she gave it to me that very day. And then I went back to the room and I was like, okay, this actually is spinning out like a dream. And the dream is saying, be a tiger, be a tiger, be a tiger. You're, you're, you're safe. You've got nothing to fear. You're, um, you can feel powerful. You can relax. Everything's going your way, whatever. And as I sat on my bed looking at the pictures of the botanicals and the, and the butterflies, I realized that it was a pun, a visual pun, because the flowers were tiger lilies and every other petal of the flowers was disguised, the disguised head of a tiger. I am not kidding. And I went up to the picture and it said tiger lilies. And then under the different butterflies, it said tiger swallowtails, tiger. It, they were all tiger butterflies. This just went on and on, folks. And the reason, I think, was that I had put myself in a situation where the nightmare was scary enough that I was willing to let go of it being real. I thought it was real. I believed it was real. I was scared as if it were real, just, just the way you are in a nightmare. But I, I got to the point where I said, okay, I'm going to accept the premise that this is a dream my consciousness is creating. And I'm just going to hang on to the dream symbols. And then the dream started throwing me these symbols to show me, I guess, that that's exactly what was happening. Because this, I mean, I'm sorry, these could not all have been coincidences. And I know you've had those experiences too. I know that you've been in tough straits and you've gone um, around the world. Excuse me, I'm looking for my questions so I can answer some questions. Um, I know that you've gone around the world and the dream has shown you symbols. And, and a lot of people call them God winks or signs from the universe or whatever. But I see them as dream symbols that your higher self is creating to project to you so that you can start to know that you have an active role in creating what's happening to you. And that um, if you decide to drop in to each symbol and start to speak as the symbol here are the questions that you should ask yourself, okay? This, these are the questions of my style of dream analysis. Number one, drop into the symbol. So find something in your life that's upsetting. That's more fun. The, the, the good things are pretty self-evident. The bad things have the real pay dirt. So think of something negative in your life right now. And then imagine that you're in a movie and you're playing the role of that person, place, or thing. It doesn't have to be a person. It could be like if you're dreaming about Hawaii, pretend that you are Hawaii the way you're perceiving it. And then as the symbol, you start to describe yourself. So I'm Hawaii. I'm um, warm. I'm full of music. Uh, I'm, I'm surrounded by the sea. Whatever. It'll come differently to each of us, right? So then after you've got the description going, that's what gets you into the symbol. And then you ask the question, why are you here? So if you have an enemy in your life, you can pretend to be that enemy, drop in, see through that enemy's eyes and say, in the case of this particular dream, I am here to 
I'm here to teach you courage. I'm here to make sure you pay attention. I'm sure I'm here um, to grant you the the three wishes you don't know you've you've made already, but you'll remember later. There are all kinds of weird things that come up when you ask the symbol what its purpose is, and then comes the real pay dirt. As I said, it's mostly in the nightmares. How are you trying to help the dreamer? So if you, when I dropped into the fear and the chaos that surrounded me during that book tour, what came up was, I am trying to teach you that you are a tiger. And I was like, well, what does a tiger mean? Describe yourself. I'm calm. I'm the top of the food chain. I've got nothing to fear. Okay, what is your purpose? My purpose is to gain in peace. That's what came up for me. And it doesn't make sense because tigers aren't that peaceful usually, but maybe they are inside. My son Adam has said similar things. So how are you trying to help me, the dreamer? Ah, I am setting you free from the illusion of your own weakness. I am setting you free from the fear of death. I am setting you free from the fear of others' anger. I am setting you free. I am setting you free. I am setting you free. Every symbol will ultimately say to you, I am setting you free. And then you realize the whole thing is a big, beautiful dream your consciousness is creating for itself. And if you learn to interpret the signals, you will find the helpfulness in literally everything that happens to you. Hello, the lovely peoples. This is Marty, Martha, inviting you to a free masterclass that I have made called Five Paths to Your Purpose. Probably the most common question I get from people is, how do I find my purpose? Why don't I feel that I'm on purpose? Well, it turns out there are certain things you have to do to find your purpose, and I broke them down into five, and I made a little masterclass about it. So if you'd like to see it, just go to marthabeck.com slash purpose and you will be able to watch it without any charge at all. So City Lotus says, I have regular dreams of my mother and in every dream she's trying to scare me from doing something successful. How can I work with this symbol? Okay, beautiful. First of all, you sit down with a piece of paper and you pretend I am the mother in my dreams. Or if your mother bothers you in real life, I am my mother, but in the, the dream of my life. And then you start describing yourself. And I'm going to make this up because I don't, I don't have access to your brain, which is kind of the whole point. But you'll know how to do it by watching me do it. So I am City Lotus. I'm City Lotus's mother in the dream. I'm trying to stop her from being successful. Um, I am scared. I am cautionary. I am frightening. Okay, well, what is your purpose? Oh, I'm here to represent the parts of her that haven't healed yet and that need to get her attention so she can be successful. How are you trying to help her? I am pushing back against her so she can know that the obstacles she's facing are things that are categories of fear that she can transcend. And once she pays attention to me and allows me to send my messages, I will calm them down and she will go forward to success. Again, it would work better for you, City Lotus, if you said if you did the whole thing yourself, because I don't have access to your symbols. But that's the methodology. So Laura Sloan says, how can I use daydreaming to guide me on a path I want to move forward? This is wonderful. 
sit down. Again, I like to use a notebook and a piece of paper. And say to yourself, in the best of all possible worlds, how would I feel in my heart? Because the first most powerful thing about a situation or a dream is the feeling it gives you in your psyche and your heart and your mind. So in the best of all possible worlds, I would feel what triumphant, strong, peaceful, proud, whatever that is. And then ask your mind to give you a symbol or to show you which part of your life is trying to guide you on the path you're meant to move forward. So if you say, I set an intention here that the dream will now show me a way in which I'm meant to move forward. Then what I would suggest is just dropping everything and going about your life for the next few hours, but with your notebook in hand and the intention to notice the things in your life, that is in your waking dream, that are coming to tell you how you're meant to move forward in your life. I remember when I did this once and I was trying to write a book proposal, which I'm trying to do now, a different book proposal, but um, I, I was also really engaged with making a, a, a new friend. And I thought, okay, I can't keep like going to lunch with my friend, I have to stay home and, and write today. And I picked up a writing and I said, please tell me what I should do today to go forward and you know, get my writing done. And I grabbed a book on writing, opened it to a page at random, and at the top it said, friends are more important than writing. And I was like, oh, thank you very much. Closed the book, went to lunch with my friend, and uh, you know, kept building a lifelong relationship that has blessed my life in incredible ways. Vicki says, so it seems like the net effect is that the higher self in the universe is always friendly and supportive, no matter how scary things look. Am I getting that right? Yes, you are. Another instance of this, you know, I talk about Anita Morjani a lot. Um, she has become a friend as well. And she literally died of cancer. She was in a terminal coma after four years of cancer, her whole body riddled with tumors. And she'd been afraid of cancer her whole life and there it was killing her. Except that she had a near-death experience where her father, who was already dead, came or appeared to come back to her because these are all just levels of things appearing to happen, right? And said, no, your life's not over. You need to go back and, and teach people to get over their fear of things like cancer, death, um, not being your true self. She said, how can I go back into that body? He said, oh, it'll give you no trouble. Now you know wh what's really happening. So she woke up from her terminal coma in her hospital bed where she was a, a, basically a skeleton covered with tumors. And within nine days, the tumors melted away and she was cancer free. And she travels the world telling people that they don't need to be afraid. So yeah, cancer was the teacher that shook her to the marrow of her bones to the point where she had to give up everything. And then it turned and became a friend teaching her to go on living. Now that doesn't mean that somebody who dies of cancer isn't doing it right. But I do believe that whatever we die of, the moment after we say, oh, that's why. Okay, great symbol. You really scared me, my own particular death. And now I'm seeing how you were trying to help school my soul in the knowledge that everything is ultimately loving. Yeah, so Vicki, everything is ultimately friendly. I know it doesn't feel that way, but it is. Robin says, Martha, do you write all this down? I forget a lot of clarity stuff when there's a tidal wave overwhelm. How can we ground in this? Um, 
I think I wrote about this in a book I wrote called Steering by Starlight, where I think I put my dream analysis stuff down. I actually made a little guidebook to analyzing your own dreams this way. If you ever want to get one, I think that you can get them at marthabeck.com. So, um, yes. Otherwise, you can go ask one of my coaches. They'll tell you. Alicia says, is this intuition? Not really. This is, instead of pulling things into yourself, into your field of knowledge, you're actually expanding yourself out to become all the objects that appear to be separate from you. One of the things that happens when I, like I was talking to Jill Bolte-Taylor yesterday, and when she had her left hemisphere stroke, she perceived, did not, was not under the illusion, but had the perception that there was no difference between her and everything else. And that she was equally the woman lying in the bed and the other people coming into the room and the stars in the furthest galaxy from the sun. She, there is a, an experience of awakening that I think is neurologically related where you actively perceive that it was you all along. It sounds really weird, but that's what dreams do. They make really weird symbols and really weird realities from which we awaken, but which have a reality in their own way. So when you awaken from a dream, it's like, ah, this is reality. That was a dream. And I think when you awaken out of this reality, you say, oh, this, this, this other thing is reality. This much more friendly, helpful, joyful thing is reality. And that, that little temporary spate of incarnation was the nightmare. Everything always blossoms into peace, love, helpfulness. Dr. Donna says, does this same process work for someone who you think is just angry at you or dislikes you? I can't even imagine becoming that person who I really do cherish because I can't imagine a positive purpose. Hang in there. This is the exciting part when you can say, all right, I am the person who's angry at me. I am Bob and Bob is angry at me. Now, the important thing is you have to not be the, the idea of Bob out there in the universe. You've already got that. You've got to try to become him and describe how he feels inside. Because here's the thing, you guys, every person who comes into your life and gets your strong attention is reflecting an aspect of yourself. So if you get if it gives you a strong hit that's positive, if you fall in love, what you're getting is a reflection of the part of yourself that you don't, you don't see fully yet. You don't see fully how magnificent you are. So the person you're in love with is a symbol of that, as well as being real. The person who's angry at you is connecting to a part of you that is disenfranchised and may contain a lot of angry feelings. Does that mean it wants to hurt you? No, it always wants to help you. But the way that it's trying to help you is to say, see me, own me, accept me, ask me where I'm trying to help. And you'll find that inner critic inside you. And the critic will say, well, I've been trying to help you your whole life. I've been trying to keep the critics off your back. I've been trying to keep your mother and father at bay. I've been really working and I've gotten really, really angry to try to fight back all these problem people. And then you can say, oh, all right, go ahead and be as angry as you want and feel the anger come up and then say, and, and thank you for trying to help. Thank you for trying to help. The moment you own a part of yourself that you've projected as negative, angry, bad, you know, 
uh, violent, whatever it is, decaying, the moment you accept it and love it, it immediately begins to shift into a positive symbol. So the feeling starts first. The feeling state of fear of Bob's anger becomes gratitude for the part of yourself that is holding anger so that you have a sense of identity and you don't give in to the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. You start to thank it, you soften, that part stops being so angry and starts being a source of energy. And watch what happens. The people around you who reflect that part of your inner life start to shift and soften as well. You see the thing as a dream, and the moment you've owned it as your dream, this strange magic happens and the dream starts to be influenced by how you've shifted. And every time I've done a real dream analysis with someone this way, something that's like the woman who, who had the soldiers who she thought was, were trying to kill her, but were actually trying to protect her. From the moment she analyzed the dream, she was less afraid of all the people in her world. There was less internalized mistaken fear and there was more understanding that even frightening things were trying to help her and just the act of shifting that shifted the night dreams she had but also shifted her behavior in the day so that the dream that was her waking life became more overtly helpful and friendly i know this sounds like weird magic and it is but try it try becoming the symbol seeing where it's helpful and then go back to the situation in real life and watch how it has shifted. It will. Okay, Wynne says, so this practice is about informative empathy for ourselves. It's very powerful, thank you. Yes, it's about informative empathy for ourselves and a definition of ourselves that brings the whole world into our circle of empathy. So we realize that our everything in ourselves is good, innately good and helpful. And then we start to realize that the world is reflecting our self-image. So as we become more empathetic toward ourselves, the world literally changes. It's amazing. Okay, couple more questions. I'm just gonna go through them fast. Anne says, Rilke, oh, quoting from Rilke, perhaps all the dragons in our lives are princesses who are only waiting to see us act just once with beauty and courage. Perhaps everything that frightens us in its deepest essence is something helpless that wants our love. I love that poem so much. And it is absolutely true. Um, it's the whole thing I've been saying, how beautifully summed up. But we still have a question from Tiffany and one from Tracy. Tiffany says, I keep having very vivid dreams about a dear friend of mine. We've only ever been friends, but in the dreams, we're in love. I don't want to misinterpret this dream as literal, but they're so vivid and real. How can I make sense of this without damaging a beautiful friendship? It's the kind of love I ache for. Well, first of all, I would say, how is the ache trying to help me? How are the dreams trying to help me become the friend in the dream? And it may be, it may well be that what you want is not to fall literally in love with this literal friend, but that the friend, if you allow yourself to become like him or her, if you allow yourself to find the part of you that is the perfect reflection of him or her, that is the self-love that opens you to the relationship you need. So again, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be literalized. Although I have to tell you, I used to have very vivid dreams about 
Elizabeth Gilbert in which she was my friend. And I would analyze the dreams and I would try to become Elizabeth Gilbert in the dream. Okay, I'm Elizabeth Gilbert and I would say, what, what is your purpose? I'm your friend. And what are you, how are you trying to help me? Because I'm your friend. It would just say, I'm your friend. And then later when I met her in real life and I said, you keep coming into my dreams and you're my friend. And we were like, yes, that's because we've been friends even during the time we didn't know each other. And now she's my literal friend. But that's another example of the dream becoming a reality. And so Tracy says, finally, so would this work on internal resistance? I'm in a privileged situation where all my suffering is of my own making. Oh, Tracy, if everyone in the world were like you, it would be such a beautiful and easy place because all of us are in situations where the vast majority of our own suffering is of our own making. And the reason we suffer is that we look at the dream around us, we look at the circumstances around us, and we say, this is terrifying. This is a horrible world. I'm going to die. I hate this dream. I don't want to be in it. I won't accept it. And we fight and fight to, to get out of the nightmare. But the way out of the nightmare is in the nightmare to sit down with all the circumstances of our lives and say, I really, really am resisting this and I don't like it and I think of it as the enemy. Now I'm going to become it and I'm going to speak to myself as it. And if you go deep enough inside the symbol and start to say what your purpose is and how you're trying to help, there will always be something in every aspect of your life, even and especially the hardest aspects of your life, that are trying to give you the greatest gifts your soul has asked for. And when you start to know that, it doesn't have to give you the, the gift as a nightmare. It can give you the gift as a pure, like direct dream, like my friend's dream of the golden threads in the water. You start to realize that you really are weaving with somehow your sensibilities, your reality, your mind, your soul. You are weaving the dream that is appearing around you. And it is always, always, always helpful. So I hope this is helpful to some of y'all out there. And I love you for showing up here on The Gathering Room. And I will see you very soon again, right here. See you soon. Bye. It's a bewildering moment to be alive. That's why Martha Beck, me, and Rowan Mangan, me, created Bewildered, the wildly successful podcast for people trying to figure it out. Most of us are trying to fit society's expectations about how we should live, which is stressful and confusing. On Bewildered, we look at topics like perfectionism, what it means to have enough, anxiety, and creativity to see where the culture may be pushing us all away from the lives that truly fulfill us. If you're bewildered, if you want to think and you love to laugh, come join us. For almost 30 years, I've been teaching people to do something that I call reading your internal compasses. I believe we are all born with direction-finding mechanisms that are inherent in us and will help us find our best destiny. Uh, a few years ago, though, I realized that a lot of people were getting very, very anxious. And this is true. Anxiety is going nuts all over the planet. So I spent five years researching and writing a book about how to read your compasses and lower the anxiety that's getting between you and your right life. And I'm very excited about the book. It's coming out in 2025. But 
I would love to teach you about it before the book comes out. So this summer, I'm doing a course called The Wayfinder's Compass, Moving Beyond Anxiety. And you can check it out by going to marthabeck.com slash compass. And we will have a fabulous time putting you on course for your North Star.